We're talking about relapse after long-term sobriety. I've got Recovered Life contributor and interventionist, Shauna McKinnovic on the line. How you doing, Shauna? I'm doing great, Damon. You know, I get so excited to um, come on the podcast. We do these every couple of weeks and you and I just, you know, I love chatting with you, sharing with you, solving the world's problems with you. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy and excited to be here. It is always fun when we do a segment together, Shauna, Mm -hmm. because you bring a lot of really great perspectives and it's fun too. You have really great recovery at, you know, on top of being a professional, you know, and working in this day to day and an expert at this, you have great recovery. And I think that shines through. And that's what this is really, you know, the Recovered Life Show is all about. It's like really giving an insight for people about how they could live their best recovered life. And that's why I wanted to do this segment honestly, about relapse and long-term sobriety. That is your story. And I think a lot of people are baffled by it. I want to dive deep into this segment here and really discuss like, how does this happen? How did it happen for you? Mm -hmm. And how can we protect ourselves from uh, these long-term sobriety relapses? Uh, Damon, I think you said it perfectly when you were talking in the introduction that my recovery shines through that I have good personal recovery that it comes through in my personal life, because I would hazard to say, no, I would confidently say that that was not the case before I picked up a drink. You know, I did not have good recovery. And that was the problem. That was one of the problems. I, and yes, it was decades. I had, I lived most of my adult life sober or in recovery or dry or in a prelapse mode, or, and then finally ended in a relapse, you know, my twenties and thirties, I didn't drink at all. I had, um, you know, and I decided after a period of time that time, you know, time passed along and I could drink again. And so I drank and I drank for about four years and then decided that I wanted to change my relationship with alcohol. We've talked about that on previous segments. Uh, I knew it was more of a problem. I knew that once I picked up a drink, I never wanted to stop drinking. Now, back in those days, uh, that was 20 years ago, I could at least go to bed and maybe not drink the next day or the next day. Um, and that changed for me in this last relapse. And then I, you know, I went into AA, I found my recovery, had a great sponsor. I really was working the program and, um, AA gave me an amazing life and I had an amazing life. I was successful at work. I got married. I got married late. I married at 38. I had a daughter at 40. Um, you know, I, I was hired at a new company. It was just awesome. And I could see God's um, plan for my life or my life was unfolding according to the, you know, some higher power, I could see so many great things happening. And I was involved in AA. And then, you know, my life was so great. AA gave me such a great life that I, my great life took me away from AA. Yeah. And I think you, I think this is exactly what I hear over and over and over again, you know, and that's why I wanted to do this segment because I think this is a really important topic because I think, you know, I think for people that might be listening to this, Shauna, that have a year, two years, three years, maybe even four years, five years, they're saying, wait, you have decades or a decade of sobriety. And then you go out like what you got everything, right? You got all the stuff. Yeah. And I think 
the one I think there's a myth about long term sobriety as if, you know, one, it's not the struggle day to day that it is the first year. Right. Like, right. I, you know, I was on a Twitter thread the other day and somebody was like, you know, hey, it's my first 90 days and every day is a struggle. Is this unusual? And I said, you know, no. You know, if if you're three years and every day is a struggle, yeah, I think maybe yeah. you need to look into that. But there is a struggle in early, but then you get into this rhythm and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you got all those promises that they discuss in 12-step mm -hmm. meetings and all of that other stuff. Let, let's go up to what I'm going to call, you know, you call the prelapse, which I, I love that, you know, the prelapse yeah. right before you actually go out, there's something that actually happened in those cases, right? Yeah. And, and it was a period actually. of, right. And it was a period of time, Damon, uh, that behaviors, you know, old behaviors were um, showing their face, you know, the, the anxiousness, the depression, the, um, I was, you know, overwhelmed, overtired, overworked, um, I allowed myself to be all of those things because I constantly sought more. You know, I, I heard the acronym ISM for like alcoholism is ISM. I seek more. I was seeking more. I was seeking more money, more prestige. I wanted to uh, improve my career. And here I had a daughter at home and a husband and I was traveling for work and I had my mom and she was sick and dying. And I was, you know, and I had my family of origin with you know, we were dealing with anticipatory grief. We hadn't had anybody really close to us die. And so we were going through all of these things and I was empty. I was empty. I wasn't doing the things that I knew fed my soul. And I was trying to keep up. I say that, you know, I've recovered from the Pinterest perfect wife, life and mother's uh, syndrome as well, because I was trying to keep up. I was trying to keep up my house. I was trying to make my daughter's birthdays, magical, her experiences. I was trying to do all of these things by what society was telling me I needed to do. And um, that angst that grows and that discontent and discomfort, I was so uncomfortable. And I think the number one thing is I also took my main identity was in my job. I was a successful software salesperson. I was a sales manager. I coached people and then I, you know, had my own accounts and I always did really well. And I was having a challenging year that year. It's no wonder I was having a challenging year if I was dealing with all those things. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm not successful, you know, and so all of those things were eating away at me and I needed relief, Damon. And instead of going back to what I knew would help me the most, I was already on the path to relapse. That was the path yeah. to relapse. I already had in my mind, in my subconscious, picked up a drink. So I couldn't go back to those things at that time where I was. And so I went back to what I knew would bring me comfort in the moment and a relief and to be able to let my shoulders just go down. and. The unfortunate thing, though, is we only get worse, never better. Having time doesn't mean you get better and you'll be a better drinker. Having time means you're further along in your disease. And when you pick up, you're worse off than when you were when you stopped. And that was my experience. You know, it's interesting. What you're talking about a lot here is powerlessness and, and unmanageability. You know, we talk about this a lot in Recovered Life. And you know what I find that's interesting about 
relapse and long-term sobriety or just long-term sobriety in general. Forget about whether you pick up or whether you don't, right? Right. Long-term sobriety can be challenging with powerlessness and unmanageability because it's harder to see. I think when you come in to a 12-step program or you go to rehab or you go do any, right? You, you're freshly, newly sober. Right. The powerless and unmanageability is spilling. You know, you open the car door, it spills out. Like it's everywhere, right? Like your health, your finances, usually typically it's just an absolute train wreck. And it's very easy to identify and see. But long-term sobriety, I found that powerless and unmanageability can start stacking up. And mm -hmm. it's harder to identify that it's powerlessness and unmanageability. That's when you need the people, that community of people around you the most that can help you identify those things. We have blinders on, right? We can't see our own powerlessness and unmanageability. You know, uh, we hide it in, oh, I'm frazzled or I'm frantic or, um, you know, I'm overwhelmed. Just the words I used, right? I was overwhelmed. I overworked myself. I was seeking, seeking, going, going, filled with angst and, whatever. And that is just what you said, powerlessness, because I was trying to exert more power and I, yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. And that is where that is. That's what I noticed with long-term sobriety. where really the, where it, where that prelapse is the most, it's like the people, places, and things mm -hmm. start to come in and become much more of a priority, right? right. Then actually what you need to do day to day to be emotionally and healthy and sober, right? It, it <laughs> starts to replace that. No, I can take control. And then, so what happened with you? So this prelapse is so, happening. You're taking more So and the more prelapse more happening. And finally, I just, you know, I was at a work event and uh, it was a big reception and I gone to these for 20 years sober. You know, I like never, ever thought about it. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to have, have one. I picked up and I was off to the races. I didn't stop drinking that night. And I thought it was a blip. I thought it was a hiccup because in the past, you know, years and years and years before I could start and stop, start and stop. Um, and, you know, or college, that was my frame of reference. We drank on the weekends, whatever. And so I was like, okay, it's a blip. I felt bad. I had remorse. I wasn't going to do it again. Well, you know, maybe a month passed and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll just have another drink and I can stop again. I can stop again. And then maybe three weeks passed and then it was two weeks between and then it was one week between. But you see the challenge, Damon, when you've been when you've had long term sobriety and everybody knows you as sober and knows you never drink, you don't have those people, places and things to go to right? You're still in your own, everyone knows you're sober. So I drank in my closet and in my car. Now, I don't suggest that to anyone, but I, when I was drinking, I didn't have good judgment and I would go out and do my errands and, you know, take a roadie and then stop and fill up again. You know, so that was the only safe place for me to drink was in my closet or in my car because everyone I knew knew me as sober. I couldn't drink freely around them. Okay, this I want to dive into this a little bit, Shauna, because you're okay. talking about this sober, long-term sober identity, which I believe I have, right? Like 
Mm-hmm. I told somebody the other day, it's like all my nieces and nephews, my family, everyone, they don't know me as a drinker. Like it's, yeah. they, they, some of them weren't even alive. Like pretty much there's not that many people in my life that knew me as a drinker, right? So yes. it's, it becomes your identity. And it's such, when, when you relapse long-term, when you have long-term sobriety, it is a shattering of your persona. It'd be like all of a sudden, it'd be like if you've been an attorney for 30 years and you've been disbarred, but you can't mm-hmm. tell anybody in your law practice, right? Like right. It, you're living this life, right? That's very, very, very difficult. So you talk about having to stop, you know, refill on alcohol, do stuff. When did that hit the wall for you? Like, when did you realize it's like, oh man, this is totally unmanageable? You know, I was, I don't know if it was one specific turning point. Well, I knew, I mean, I knew because I knew I had a disordered relationship with alcohol. I knew, and I don't mind the word alcoholic. I knew I was an alcoholic that had been proven before, or I wouldn't have gone done the program before. Right. So I knew when you have a belly full of alcohol and a brain full of AA or recovery, it's not a comfortable place to be. I knew I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to get better. You know, my mom was dying at the time. So I went away to um, a two week detox and I came home and I did some um, intensive outpatient. You know, I was seeing a therapist. I was honest with her that I picked up. I hired a sober coach. You know, I was willing to talk about it, but I still couldn't stop. And so it does progress. And I ended up going away to an inpatient facility and, um, I relapsed on and off for two and a half to three years. Like, so remember how I said at the beginning, I picked up a drink and then it was a month and then it was three weeks and then whatever. So that would be the full three years. But for two and a half years, I was in and out of treatment centers because I couldn't stop. And then I got really, really um, despondent would be the word because there I was, I was going to treatment and then I'd come back and I'd pick up a drink and I'd relapse again. And I would say, why can't I get it back? You know, I had it for so long. Why can't I get it back? What am I doing wrong? And so I would pick up and I was off to the races. And once I started drinking, Damon, I couldn't actually stop um, unless I was sent away to a treatment center. I had to be physically removed from the alcohol. And I'm grateful for that. But, you know, I had a couple suicide attempts because I was like, I can't keep doing this to my family. Yeah. I think, you know, know, people, people think though, Shauna, and I think why I I really wanted to do this episode, because I think there's a lot of focus in, in first people coming in and getting sober or the sober Mm -hmm. curious or people that have addiction problems or, you know, people that have, you know, things that are going on in their life and they decide that they're going to get sober. And I, I love that. And, and I love focusing on the newcomer, like, because there's such magic there and it's so great that people are getting recovery, but there's a lot of people that have long-term recovery and there's not much more, there's not a, a focus on them, right? Once you get five years, I, I find it's like, there's not a lot of focus on you. It's just like, you either did it, you got sober, you didn't, you're still struggling to get sober. And, and this whole idea, and, and I think this is the huge takeaway from this, is that if people have long-term sobriety, when they hear your story, 
they realize like there is no guarantee that just because you were sober for decades mm-hmm. that all of a sudden you're going to get if you go out that you're going to be able to regain sobriety again that there's a bit of a mystery with that. And thank God that happened for you and very thank successfully. God. And you and I will tell you, I did not give up, Damon. I was driven as as driven as I was in my previous life, you know, as a software salesman, I was that driven. I would not give up, even though I was despondent at times and made some bad choices. I would not give up. So when they said, try, go to sober living, I lived in sober living for four months. Go back to treatment. I went back to treatment, go to I. IOP, intensive outpatient. I did that. I went to meetings every day, you know, and finally, and there's a saying in AA, don't give up before the miracle happens. So after two 14 day detoxes, three treatment centers, four months of sober living, countless hours of intensive outpatient. At, I think in my city, I went to everyone that was available because I kept getting, you know, um, that a sober coach, a sober companion, I just wouldn't give up. The miracle finally happened for me and I am living a life of recovery. Now, I credit AA with my daily recovery. So I work AA and it was interesting to hear you say after five years, you know, there's not much for the people who that know, but the gift that we have is to be able to stay in the program and stay in the newness of the program by working with the newcomer. And you alluded to that too, or you mentioned that, like that, that you love working with the newcomer that keeps it fresh for me. So, you know, I have sponsees outside of my work as an interventionist and a coach. I, I work with sponsees and women who are newcomers because I don't ever want to lose what I have, what AA gave me. And I have a great life again. It's a very different life. It's a much simpler life. Mm, yeah, oh, I love I that. Do a segment on that too. Um, so maybe that's our next one. Um, so I have a very different life. I'm not, you know, it, it's just very different. We could talk about that another time. And I'm grateful for it. I'm well, so you know, we talk about, you talk about AA, you talk about 12-step programs and that. And I think, you know, there is a little bit sometimes I think of a misunderstanding when we talk about long-term sobriety, seeking more and AA, like I'm a huge AA fanboy. I love AA, right? And I've gone yeah. in and out with my relationship with AA and how I feel about it. But sure. clearly it's a miracle. Like, you know, AA just had a big anniversary. I celebrate that. Like it is an amazing thing. I think it's a amazing thing. It's really, it's hard to even put into words about the impact that AA and other 12-step programs have had on the world. It's it's massive. But I also, at the same time, think as much as a miracle of AA is, that, um, and I think it's perfect exactly the way that it is. I don't think it should, I don't, people say it should change, it should morph. I don't think so. But I do believe this constant pursuing, which it does say in AA, right? This constant pursuing, if you have long-term sobriety, going to therapy, getting a coach like you, um, you know, going to, you know, uh, book studies that maybe aren't big book studies, maybe they're philosophy. So studying stoicism, being a seeker, being able to like question other things about you and how you act and behave and write. These are super important in long-term sobriety. And I find Mm -hmm. that when people stop and say, well, I got physical sobriety. I'm just going to work with some people here and there. Uh, and I'll chair this meeting and give a donation every year and maybe every 10 years go to a 
a, you know, a big jamboree yeah. or a big conference, yeah. right? You yeah. know what I mean? That, you know, I'm, I'm good. I find that those people, I find that that, and I was one of those people, right? Like, so I find that that is, there, there's a lot of danger there because I think it is about this seeking, right? And you talk about this prelapse. I, I'd like to end this because, okay. you know. But I just want to touch on one thing that you said, or refer back to an earlier thing. Not everybody has to go to AA. Not everybody is a dyed-in-the-wool alcoholic like you and I identify, right? So if someone's yeah. listening to this and they're like, what do I need to go to AA? I'm just a binge drinker or whatever. We've talked about that alcohol continuum. So I would point them back to an earlier podcast because this, this is specific to people who had long-term sobriety who are who got worse, never better. Um, yeah. You know, and then the to your point about seeking more the the philosophy and doing those things, you know, on a spiritual level, how do I expand my spiritual life on a daily basis? I might try different types style of meditation or readings or growing in that. And so I love that you pointed that out that we never have to stay stagnant. We're always growing and expanding our spiritual, emotional, intellectual, and our community within, within the 12 step program. If that's how you've healed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what, you know, and I think that that is the big lesson here. It's having that connection, right? Like we talk about, you know, AA talks about this. Uh, there's other forms of uh, of programs outside, right? Like you said, there's a lot of people who, you know, don't go to A. There's a lot of people with recovered life. And if you're listening to this, you're recovered life and you don't identify as an alcoholic, but you don't like your relationship with alcohol, welcome. You know, welcome. Like we're not, exactly. we, don't, we don't have a dogma with that. Like if you get something out of it, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome in, right? Um, yeah. But for the people who are listening to this that have long-term sobriety and they're like, you know what, I, Shauna, I've been listening to you and I'm hearing some of these things that might be going on in my life. How do you, you know, what steps do you take to make sure you're not in a prelapse moment? Right. Well, I think once you're in prelapse, say early prelapse, when you're dry, you're not doing stuff. I think it's way easier to get back on the wagon. So if you're hearing that you can identify, oh my gosh, back on the wagon. I meant back on the AA wagon. That was a slip of the tongue, eh? Um, <laughs> oh, my Canadian just came out too. Um, so, you know, get back to the basics, get back to how it was, go back to remembering what you did in early sobriety to that resulted in the life that you have you know was it going to meetings was it sponsoring people I know people who have 20 years and they're not sponsoring anybody I'm like oh my gosh what a waste you could be sponsoring okay that was a judgment I shouldn't have said that but you know getting back to meetings enjoying the community a daily prayer and meditation living working the steps running through them again you know if you hadn't been through them and I like what you said too work with a therapist, see if there's other stuff going on too in your emotional life, you know, maybe grow and expand your spiritual life. But if you're pretty far down the prelapse road, you can get into some denial, like, no, I'm not going back to AA. And you're really ready for a drink. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's a tough place to be. But I would still say then, you know, just admit powerlessness and like, get back and gosh, whatever you do, don't Call me. I mean, email me through the recovered life thing, because I'm telling you, the first time you get sober by grace, after that, you claw your way back. 
And yeah, and my, I think the I think the moral of the story here, the the whole point of this episode is it's easier to identify and and swallow a little bit of that humility to say, yes. you know what, I might be in a prelapse mm-hmm. and to seek help then than it is to come back after you've oh, relapsed. It's it easier, really right? It's easier. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this because I don't think there's a lot of stuff. I, you know, and that's why when I told you I want to do the segment, there's not a lot of information on this. Right. Not a lot of people talk about that because I think a lot too, you know, Shauna, you know, just to conclude here, I think a lot of people that especially in 12 step programs, and I find that this is this has been my case, especially if you work Mm -hmm. with others, don't want to admit that they have prelapse symptoms because they don't want it. They don't want to come out to newer people that they're working at showing that it might not work. And that's not the point of that. Right. I've realized that that's not like sometimes sharing that. Like, hey, I'm struggling too. I have yeah. 20, 30 years. I'm struggling too with certain, with these issues yeah. is really with accepting life on life's terms. And how do we do that? Right. You know, like I am, I am struggling. It's okay to struggle. Life is when I say my life is great, Damon, doesn't mean it's without, not without struggles. Right. It's just that we have the tools in AA or in, you know, we develop the tools and acquire the tools to be able to do it. I think you're, you're so bang on to be able to, you know, say no to that pride and to, to be humble enough to say, I'm struggling to that in and of itself can help a newcomer to say, okay, look at, if you can be that real and that honest, then I can too. Absolutely. Shona McKinnavik, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Damon. We'll see you next time. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to special recovery-focused events and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us.